Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. All right. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, babe. Thanks, Tora. Appreciate the two of you. The rest of this church is pretty, I don't know what to say. I've been told I've been swearing too much as I preach, saying the S words, which are, I believe someone said, shut up and stupid, so sorry. In fact, there was talk of a, a quote-unquote swear jar that was going to be put out where I'd have to pay kids in the church 25 cents every time I said those words. And I just pointed out to my wife that we couldn't afford to do that. Because <clears throat> I may or not be able to change, you know, that's the fact. Um, this is the last message in our series on fact versus fiction, which has been a series about soteriology, the doctrine or the, the study of salvation, uh, specifically as it pertains to the Christian faith. And I encourage you to go back and listen. Uh, if I do say so myself, there's been some pretty good messages in this series. And uh, I'm, I'm just as excited to go through today, finish this up, and move on to the next one and the next things that God has for us, because we are actually living in, uh, well, for many people, these are frightening times, and they are serious and frightening times. Uh, we are also living in a day where I believe we're going to see the Spirit of God move on people. We're going to see the hand of God provide for people in a way that we have not seen in many generations in our nation. So, uh, for, for, for that part, I'm, I'm excited, and I can't wait to see what God's about to do. So, uh, with that in mind, let's jump in today. Um, I may be cramming this message into the holiday just a little bit, but I think that uh, you can either forgive me or you can just go along with me. Either way, that's how it's going to roll this morning. Um, and I think that um, I think that when we have a holiday in our nation that celebrates gratitude, I, I would really like to think that 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 celebration of that gratitude is actually authentic and meaningful, not just trivial. And um, sadly, what I see in the world around us and even what I see in the lives of Christians is, is and I, now just everyone say these words, Jesus loves me, my pastor also loves me, even though he's not as perfect as Jesus, <laughs> okay, just, just, just remind yourself of that. Um, I have no desire to, to, to anger people and chase you out of church, that, that would be counterproductive. At the same time, the Holy Spirit wants to say something to us this morning. And so I want to talk about this idea of gratitude, the why we are so filled with gratitude, which, of course, some of you who are theologians have already figured out, well, it's going to have something to do with salvation. And, of course, it does have something to do with salvation. Um, our focus is, I think, more often tempted to lean in the direction in things uh, to the things that are out of sync with what we have perceived to be normal for North American society. Uh, that is to say, we're really grateful for, you know, the opportunity to meet. We're grateful for the opportunity to go shopping without restrictions. Yeah, I'm saying what I'm saying. We, we, guys, we, we obviously are living in a time that is getting a little insane. Now, I don't care what side of the issues you're on. You're on the side of Christ. And so let's keep that as a priority in everything we do moving forward. Don't buy into social politics. Buy, in, buy into 
what Jesus called the greatest commission that we would ever receive. Not his words, but his commission is the greatest one mankind could ever receive. And, and I think that our gratitude begins to reflect the difficulties or the blessings we perceive in society. But I want to point out to you this morning that gratitude directed to carnal things will always be lacking in what it truly is. So gratitude, true authentic gratitude, is going to come from a place that is much deeper than this earth. It's going to come uh, from a place that is much deeper than our immediate need. It's going to come from a place much deeper than some of the things that I think we put our focus on. And so the fiction today is not necessarily one that is heard, but rather it's one that I think can be observed in the church specifically. And I know you're going to struggle with this, some of you. Um, and, and some of you maybe can struggle with this because gratitude is sincerely a real part of your life and practice and your body, soul, and spirit, all parts. Uh, but, but, but the question I, I want to massage today is how big a part is it? And so the fiction is that we are thankful people as Christians. The fiction is that we are thankful people as Christians. And I find this to be a fiction because, as I said, when we weigh our gratitude against eternal things, it seems like we do little more than give a nod to what's eternal in our everyday lives. And I challenge you just to, to listen to yourself pray moving forward. I challenge you to listen to yourself whether or not you sing and worship when you have the opportunity because there are certain things that we get to do in life that indicate where our gratitude is truly pointed. And I'm going to tell you this morning, it's very simple. Gratitude is necessary with regard to salvation. It absolutely is. Soteriology uh, requires gratitude. The doctrines of salvation require sincere gratitude on our heart. Now, the questions we're going to encounter in this are, are, are going to be to do with our lifestyle and our practice and our habits and our, the training of how we think, all of those things. I can't help but think what our community would look like if gratitude was truly among the first filters in place for what we say, how we see the world around us, and specifically how we hear from God. I totally get it. That even now, for some of you, there is a defensiveness that wants to rise up. A righteous indignation, if you will. I want to reassure you one more time. Jesus loves you and I love you. Really, really want to reassure you of that this morning. And I'm telling you that we don't express gratitude the way the early church did. We, we don't, guys. We don't express it the way the early church did. Because... The things that are indicative of gratitude are lacking. How we give. Yes, finances. How we give. There, there, there's, there's, there is an indicator in your level of gratitude based in how you give. And, it, and we don't have to pray about that, just so you know. It's a reality already, and there's already a habit, a pattern. There, there's already something in place in your life. I was saving this for when I do the offering for the building fund, but I just want to remind you that our friends in Haiti, Mark and Lisa Honorat and Haiti Arise, the Haitian church can raise a quarter million U.S. dollars on $30 a month as the average wage. The church in Haiti 
can raise a quarter million dollars for their own building fund. And churches in North America sometimes struggle to reach goals even smaller than the one we're setting immediately. Now, I'm, I'm not sharing this in any way to be manipulative, but to point out and to indicate that there is something that is out of alignment in us from time to time. And while I, I would never suggest that we are an ungrateful people or that we are thankless and that we don't have an attitude or a posture that wants to be gracious, wants to show gratitude to God, wants to uh, be charitable and all those things, I'm just trying to point out this morning that when we test it, there's so much more that we are missing out on. There is so much more that the early church understood that I believe the church today is not quite as intimate with. So, um, we see it in our, in our giving, um, in our finances specifically, but what about our giving in terms of how we worship? Right? i got to say, worship was really good this morning. And not just because the worship team did a good job, but because the people of God did a good job. Right? You're, see, remember this, you're not the audience. Right? Remember that church? You're actually not the audience. The worship team stands at the front for the purpose of leading people whose eyes are in the front of their own heads. That, that's why. It's a really practical, really super practical thing that we do here. And I know that might blow some people's minds, but God made us with the eyes in the front of our heads, so if I'm going to lead someone, I'm going to stand in front of their eyes. But that's, that's it. The audience for a church is not the people in the church. It's actually the Lord. So when we are expressing gratitude in our worship, what should it look like? How about in your deeds? What do you give of your time? Does what you give of your time express gratitude? Now listen, probably every single person in this room is an absolute pro at one or maybe more of these areas in our life. But what the Holy Spirit has laid on our heart for today is to consider this word gratitude. To consider what it means in terms of our salvation. So let me just say this before we move on. If you're already perfect in this area, please feel free to agree with me today, even though I am not perfect in this area. Hebrews 2, 1 to 4. For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every violation and act of disobedience received a just punishment. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That is a really important phrase, partial sentence in this piece of Scripture. Uh, let me bring you, before we go too much further in that, though, to verse 1 of chapter 2. For this reason, we much pay closer attention. Well, for what reason? Well, for everything that chapter 1 said, just so you know. Chapter 1 has all its verses, and it talks about, excuse me, it talks about Jesus and then we get to chapter 2, for this reason we must, just so we're clear, the reason we must pay closer attention to this passage of Scripture is because of everything Hebrews chapter 1 said. All right? Just getting the context down. 
So the, the question then, understanding all this, is how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And those words have been jumping into my mind on a daily basis for the last, since we started, actually probably even since before we started this series. Because we're going to talk about salvation. The first things that, one of the first verses that always comes to my mind is this idea of this amazing, overwhelming greatness of salvation. And what does that mean? And what's its impact? And what's its, what's its negative impact for those who neglect it or ignore it? Well, as these words have been jumping in and out of my mind, I've resisted the urge to really talk about it a lot because it'll make the message 20 minutes longer at least every single Sunday. Uh, but this word for neglect today I get to unpack for you just a little bit. And it's the, in the Greek origin, it's actually not at all difficult to understand. The word is amaleo, and it means to not have concern, or to not be affected by, to be unaffected, to, to viewing something as being without significance. So let me just read that to you in the, in the T.R. TR Hansen version, which would be something to the effect of, um, how, can we, how can we be saved? What's going to happen to us if we show no concern for salvation? Or, or, if, or if we don't see the significance of salvation, or if we don't practice exercising and making significant the gift of salvation to us from Jesus. If we're not daily concerned with this great salvation, if we are unaffected in any day of our life, and if it begins to lose its significance to us at any moment in our life, church, we have a problem. That is to say that tomorrow morning if I get up and I think salvation, meh, there's actually something wrong in my heart. Now, now, I've been here and that's how I know. And you know, before the end of my time on this earth, I will likely be there again many, many times. The point is not to try and strive for some perfection in our relationship to salvation, but rather to begin to live life in a way that honors or at least attempts to honor salvation in every day of our life. That's the difference between someone who's going to escape and someone who's not, just so you know. We need to have concern for ourselves and especially for others. Not only for the saving part of salvation, but also the lordship of salvation that comes with the saving. And that it's not good enough just to say, well, I'm very concerned with, with people finding Jesus so they can be saved. Are we not to be concerned with people finding Jesus so that not only will they be saved, but that he will become Lord and therefore they will be set free from everything that holds them in bondage. Right. Of course. How much do we believe that for our own lives? Well, most days, some of the time. Or some of the time, most days. Whichever way you want to take it. Now, I'm speaking, I'm speaking to this uh, specifically to the area of what significance should mean to us on the regular. Again, making allowance for tough times, making allowance for our ability to say, God, I got questions about what you're doing. And sincerely, I'm saying that. We sincerely can ask God, what the heck are you doing right now? You can ask him that. He can take it, I promise. 
But so many times, because it's actually hard, we just begin to, not intentionally, almost accidentally ignore, to neglect, to isolate and to insulate ourselves from that thing that the Holy Spirit so incessantly brings to our remembrance. The salvation that Jesus offers is so much more than we can even think about all at once. It really is. And if you would like to, there's a, there's a beard hair stuck in my mic. That was awkward for me. Uh, it was really annoying. It's like when an eyebrow gets into your peripheral vision. Everybody over 40 can say amen to that. Well, not the ladies, but the men. <laughs> yeah, right, I know. Ladies have wild eyebrows too sometimes. Um, what am I saying? That can't be true, can it? <laughs> I'm not saying that. My mama didn't read no fool. <laughs> My wife wants to talk to the ladies about chin hairs. I'm not touching it. So, uh, I'm not touching it. Mm. Mm-mm, not touching it. All right. Uh, so, the salvation in the Greek word. So, if you want to do a fun word study on the Greek word sozo. Sozo. I, just do it. Just challenge you. I, I wish the pastor would tell us to do more Bible studies. Do a Bible study on the word sozo. Let me know sometime in the next 30 or 40 years when you have finished it. So I'm, I'm absolutely serious. We touched on it in the song this morning. I am I'm blessed, I'm called, I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm saved in Jesus' name, highly favored, anointed, filled with his power for the glory of his name. That, that scratches the surface of sozo, salvation. So good. This word salvation is so good by the end. Right, Leif? I know. I got you. Yeah. Come on. Keep him, keep him talking. Um, I, I just would challenge you to think through, to read through, to, to read everything you can for a while on so-and-so and, and just see how it begins to change your, your life, your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids. It's unbelievable and it's powerful. But, of course, focusing on it is, is a part of what changes us to be more like the one who saved us. Just a very basic review of that word. In salvation, he gives us a victorious life, spiritual liberty, a people, a place, and a provision. All of these being realized in the local church. And yes, the local church is absolutely a part of God's plan for salvation absolutely. You, you cannot fully appreciate salvation without appreciating the, bi- the bride, the body of Christ, the church. You cannot. You, ca- you cannot accept part of Jesus. You've got to accept his entire package. That includes his body, his bride, his church. And his salvation wants to and does touch every part of our lives. The problem we encounter is in this battle between being saved and allowing him to become Lord is that we actually try to limit the parts of our life that he wants to impact and touch. Generally speaking, so that we can do whatever we want in those areas, which is generally and usually called sinning. Um, That neglect flies in the face of the gratitude that is owed to the one who saves us. This this neglect that, yeah, Lord, I'm aware of that, but we're not going to talk about it today, that neglect. That thing that, 
you know in the back of your mind, and you're pretty sure the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about it, but you really don't feel like you should touch it because that'll open a whole can of worms, God. And God, you don't really want to open a whole can of worms right now. I mean, there's only a few hours left in the day. Yeah, I, th- these are legitimate conversations people have with God over this. And God, remember, He is still the one who says, is it easier to say be healed or your sins are forgiven? It's not, one's not harder for Him than the other. He, he, just, he just doesn't want you to have worms, as it were. To neglect what Jesus has done for us any time in our days or nights, at any point in our lives, is actually to invite the fullest potential for catastrophe upon ourselves. But to choose gratitude, to choose thankfulness every day in all of our moments, actually takes neglect of salvation right out of the equation. Because you cannot neglect the thing that you become concerned with. Ever notice that? Yeah. The thing that begins to occupy your time, your mind, your space, how, how easy is it to neglect that? It's actually impossible to neglect. Why? Because it's in, this, it's in your focus. It's not peripheral. It's not forgotten in the rain like so many of my tools that some of my sons or daughters may or may not leave outside of the shop. <laughs> Neglected. Which is their sin and my sin and probably the sin of my father who went before me. <laughs> my grandfather was still alive. I'm sure he could tell us about some of those wrenches that disappeared from the shop. The point is, is that what we choose to focus on and what, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we bring out of the peripheral and into central focus in our lives will effectively immunize us from ever neglecting it. Although, I have to say that in our house, there are things like laundry hampers that can be stepped over in the middle of a hallway for days at a time. So I'm not too sure how the analogy works now that I've thought of that. However, I think I can just blame the caveman brain of any teenager. And it should work out still just fine. The things that are in our way, the things that come in front of us, the thing we put before our eyes becomes the thing we focus on, and it is impossible to neglect that which we focus on. Very simple principle. And so that's why we come to the house of God, and that's why David wrote things like, hey, everybody, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. What happens when we magnify the Lord? Well, we make him big in our image. We make him big in our vision. We make him big in what we can see. We make him the overwhelming point of focus in what is going on. When that happens, it becomes impossible to neglect him or what he is doing. But when Facebook is what's magnified in your life on your phone... Where's your focus? Well, it's on your Facebook. And when your focus is on your Facebook, unless it is purely Jesus content on your Facebook, what's going to be left to the side to neglect? Well, you're intelligent people. You can probably follow this analogy through better than I can explain it to you. What I'm trying to say is that where there is no gratitude there is no focus, and where there is no focus, there is always going to be neglect. Always. 
Now, the opposite, of course, is going to be exactly true. Where there is gratitude, there will be focus. And where there is focus, there will never be room for neglect. So how does this tie into our title and our series? Well, how can we neglect so great a salvation? Well, we can't if we focus on the right thing. If we focus on what Hebrews 1 actually says about Jesus, it's pretty hard to neglect the salvation that he purchased for us with his own blood. And that keeps us in alignment with our Heavenly Father in a way that is so much easier than all the other things we could try to do. How's your devotional life? Well, Pastor, I've tried really hard. Well, what have you been doing? I've been doing sit-ups and I've been doing push-ups. For what? To get closer to God. Well, why are you doing sit-ups and push-ups? Well, I don't know. That's, I mean, it's crazy some of the things we do that are peripheral, isn't it? Isn't, isn't it just a little bit crazy? And then what drives the craziness a little further is that we do it again and again and again. And we wonder why our results are staying the same. I'm telling you this morning that gratitude will not only immunize you to neglect, but gratitude will focus your vision. Thankfulness focuses our vision on Jesus. Gratitude immunizes us against neglect. You see, and here's the thing, uh, the appropriate gratitude... There, there is something called appropriate gratitude, right? Like yesterday, uh, we cooked two 30-pound turkeys at my house. Why? Because we're sick of feeding them. That's, that's why. I'm, I know you were probably like, oh, Pastor Travis going to have a spiritual truth for why they killed the turkeys the way they did. No, we killed and cooked those turkeys because I am so sick of growling at my kids to make sure the turkeys are watered and fed. Done! Done. I ended their days. We put one in the oven. I put one in the smoker. We didn't even touch the smoked turkey yet. And by the way, if you get invited over for turkey buns to my house, it'll be smoked turkey. Because 60 pounds, we didn't even hardly scratch yesterday, just so you know. I know it looks like I had more than that, but I didn't. Um, listen. Ah, oh, shoot. <laughs> Sometimes it's just an absolute train wreck as we try to explain these things. Um, can you imagine, though, if, if my, my kids came in and Amy had worked hard? I mean, I worked really hard on the meal, too. I'm just going to give her the credit today so I look good in front of you all. Um, but she slaved over the stove. She worked so hard. And if my boys just and my, and my daughters just were like kind of walked up at the end of it all, thanks, Mom. Appropriate gratitude. Thanks for what? Who said that to your kids? Don't be shy. Most of us have said this to our kids. You're, oh, you said thanks. Thanks for what? Because what? Because we want, we want appropriate gratitude. We want appropriate thanks for the appropriate thing. Why? So that our words thank you or our words of appreciation remain authentic. Because when we just generally start slinging words out there, it only takes three or four times before people realize, oh, that guy never means what he says. So we train our kids in appropriate gratitude. Say thank you for... And we help them fill in the blanks. Like, what am I actually grateful for? Why does this matter? It matters so much because gratitude is actually revealed in its demonstration. 
This is absolutely true. You can test this out on your own time. Just take it at face value for now, and you'll get there in the end. But gratitude is actually revealed in this demonstration. That is to say, thank you is a wonderfully generic term, but let's face it, just saying thank you and not demonstrating the reason or not connecting what it is that you're thankful for to the words fall, short, fall, fall, short, fall, <laughs> fall far short of demonstrating actual gratitude. Right? It's true. And I know it's not like blow your mind profoundly true, but just think about how much it actually matters when we say the words or sing the songs or do the deeds. Gratitude is truly revealed in its demonstration, in its reflection, in its words, in its actions. In our prayer, spiritually speaking, gratitude is reflected in our prayer and our worship and our deeds. What we do with our body, our soul, and our spirit. So often in Scripture, in these principles, you'll see that Trinitarian reality. God made us in His image. We are made in three parts. God exists in three persons that are indivisible. And so many times when we act out in obedience to God's will and God's nature and God's provision and God's salvation in our lives, there is this effect that comes from and comes to all three parts of who we are. And so if my words are thank you, but my actions and my worship never, or my actions and my prayer never support what I'm saying, guess what? Well, he's just a guy who says stuff. Because gratitude is actually revealed in its demonstration. What you truly value in life, you demonstrate to other people. And just so you know, we live in a world of people who are sick and tired of the inauthentic. They, they can see it a hundred miles away. And yeah, they might keep going back and doing the same thing too, just like most other people are doing. But I am telling you today that the church needs to immunize itself against neglect of salvation by showing gratitude for that salvation. Your prayer, your worship, your deeds. The sacrifice of praise, it said in the King James Version, is the fruit of our lips giving thanks. And the NASB says, now they've changed this a little. There's lots of translation that just, you know, that praises God's name. But I, I like the old school stuff sometimes. And, and, uh, and the amplified version says, the fruit of our lips that thankfully acknowledges and confesses and glorifies his name. Yeah. Hebrews, I don't know, 13, I can't remember what it was. Sorry, I'm bad at references sometimes. If gratitude is not connected to your lips, the Bible doesn't have language for it. Not really. Well, that's because I'm a man of action, Pastor Trapp. I show gratitude. That's good. You show gratitude. But, but, but do, do your words align with it as well? Does your singing align with it as well? See, you're, you're not made to worship God in one dimension. You're made to worship God in all the dimensions he created you with. All of them. My lips just won't move. Well, that's actually not God's fault. That's actually under your control. 
just, just like your attitude is. Jesus loves you and I love you. Your actions are actually, they're actually in your control. But the Lord didn't make me. God's not going to make you. Trust me, if it comes to God making you, he does things like open up the ground and swallows people up. So I would suggest to you that you don't want to wait for it to come to that. God's not going to make you, but he made a way for you too. He provisioned you for everything pertaining to life and godliness. He provisions you for the good works that he prepared for you to do beforehand, that he predestined you for. First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, rejoice, always pray continually. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for you in Christ Jesus? To rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Just a coincidence, I'm sure, that there's three in that list. Just a coincidence. I actually do think it's probably a coincidence, but it works, right? Um, See, God's will is that we live our life in gratitude. That is his will. Gratitude, when used correctly, makes it easy to pray more. Gratitude, when it becomes the focal point of what we're doing, makes it easy to rejoice and then rejoice again and to rejoice always. Why? Because our focus isn't on the peripheral. Rather, it's on what Jesus has done for us. Does God's will ever take us the wrong way? Not in my experience. Not that that would matter. But God's will doesn't take us the wrong way. It takes us his way. He orders our steps. And by the way, we're supposed to rejoice in that too. Rejoice for the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Man, this rejoice and this taking the steps and this gratitude and this obedience, it all kind of works together. It's like God's trying to speak to us. God's will doesn't take us the wrong way, so then just do what God's will says. Philippians 4, 4-7, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Do you suppose, as I wrap up and the worship team comes back, that the part about thanksgiving in this verse is supposed to be there? Let's go one step further. Do you suppose that part about thanksgiving in that passage is necessary, is a necessary part of the equation for the bringing of the peace of God into your life that guards your heart and mind? Well, of course it is. That's why he put it in the, in the equation. God does not seem to guard my heart and mind very well. Well, are you giving thanks? Well, interesting that you bring it up. I'm kind of waiting for something to be thankful for. Okay, let me start at the beginning and you tell me where I lost you. This great gift of salvation. Should it take more than that? I don't think it should. I find that when I start praying... It has become my habit to start with thanksgiving. And I, I, what I'm finding is, is that my time to pray quickly runs out before I'm done giving thanks. 
And there's been a time or two where it's like I get to the end of, of, of my time of prayer and all I've been doing is praying and in the Spirit and praying with my mind and talking to God about what I think He's doing so well that I didn't even get to the thing that I thought I needed to bring up with Him. But you know what's amazing when I leave that time is I don't feel unfulfilled. I actually feel fulfilled. Why? Because the one who made me saw fit to come and commune with me while I talked with him about the great thing that he's doing. It's so amazing how the things of earth just dim when we focus on his goodness, his grace, his provision, his salvation that he bought for us. The very simple takeaway for today is this. Gratitude has the ability to immunize us from neglect. Not shallow gratitude, but authentic, meaningful gratitude for the situations and opportunity afforded us because of so great a salvation. Consider this. How does gratitude leak and or overflow from your life? Or does it at all? My son had a hole in his radiator this past week. They actually discovered it a couple weeks ago, but true to form, they made sure they took a little while to get to it, adding, a cool, adding some coolant a few times. Um, the car still had radiator fluid in it, but the hole, fortunately, was kind of near the top of the radiator. So it just kind of leaked out to that level and then stayed at that level. And I feel like this is the way many people end up living their life in Christ. They end up with a hole here, a hole there, and as long as there's some in the bottom, it's okay. Another analogy that might work for you is having to draw water from a well with a long line in a bucket. And so when it comes to gratitude in your life this morning, church, are you the person living in the days of knights and dragons, who has to drop 200 feet of line down to the bottom of the well and draw the bucket of water all the way back up because the water is so far down there? Or is your well full? Is it overflowing? I would submit to you that your well, your radiator, whatever kind of vessel you need to imagine to make this work for you should absolutely have holes in it and it should leak but it should also be overflowing because we have a river of living water that flows out of us because of salvation. We're not a bucket with holes in it. We are a river of life. We are a river of living water. A constant flow. And I'm grateful for that too. We might be okay with expressing gratitude. Lord, thank you for this food that has been graciously set before us. Let me tell you a secret to life. Every day when you get up, you put salvation in front of you. And you know what will happen? You'll begin to express gratitude for his salvation every day. It's just too... It's just too simple. How is your gratitude being expressed in your prayer, your reflection, your worship, your words, your habits, your deeds? These are the things as your pastor this morning I want to I put in front of you 
But more importantly, I want us to remember that the Holy Spirit wants to put His finger on this part of our lives. Are you three-dimensional in your thanks? Your body, your soul, your spirit. It's every part of you involved in not neglecting salvation. You know, if it's only one I got a great prayer life, but I don't worship and I don't do anything. Oh. You know what's going to happen to you is you're actually going to start to feel selfish for making your requests known to God. Because all you ever do is ask Him for stuff. But see, when you bring every part of who you are, which is what God wanted all along, into every part of what He's offering you, with every part of what He's setting in front of you, and you meet Him with all He has, with all that you are, something amazing will begin to happen. Because you are not enough, but He is. And when we collide with the Spirit of God in this way, man, there are prophetic words that are predestined to come out of you, out of this church. There are miracles and healings and signs and wonders all predestined by God to come out of a people, but they need to be a grateful people. They need to offer thanksgiving continually. They need to be a people who offers praise with thanks. They need to be people who make their requests known to God with thanksgiving. They need to be people who ask for healing, being thankful for the provision of the cross. So, as we close, I want to pray for you. And as we always do, we're going to sing one last song. And this song, this time, is just intended to give us that moment in the presence of God to to listen to Him specifically. To reflect on what His Spirit might be saying to each one of us this morning through the message, through the time of worship, through the encouragements that have been shared. you can ask God the question, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to put your finger on today in my life? I challenge you to consider this as I pray for you this morning. Would you, let's stand together. And I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful that that God speaks to you. I'm thankful that God has placed so much of his will in your hands, whether you know you're capable or not. I just, just, with thanksgiving, can't wait to see what he's going to do next through you and in you. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would put your finger on anything in us that you want to today. Lord, that you would search us, that you would try us, that you would know us, that you would test our anxious thoughts this morning, Lord, that you would capture our anxieties, Lord, that you would answer our prayers. But, Holy Spirit, more and more that we would realize in such a new way today that the depth of the salvation you bought for us is so overwhelming, is so overpowering, is so life-giving, is so more than able to meet our needs and take us through the next thing that you have for us. 
Jesus, would you just make this reality? God, would you just make it align with us this morning? Change us, Lord, in your presence. Change us in your presence today, Jesus. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.